0: entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises they are creating businesses that really add value to others and so can you welcome to be more achieve more inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with chris cooper if you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour now here's your host chris
1: cooper Hi, this is uh, Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com and delighted to be back with you again for another show this week. Um, I think this is going to be a fabulous show and I'm very excited about it. And we're going to be talking about extraordinary results from ordinary people uh, with guest Kevin Gaskell. Now, just very briefly before we get on with the show, I just want to say um, a big thank you to our guests last week, uh, Graham Jones and Ant Hodges, um, about their show on Internet Psychology. If you've not heard it, do take the time to listen to this recording because these guys really know what they're talking about. So let's talk today about achieving exceptional results. Now, our guest on this show would, I know, very humbly say that we're all just ordinary people. However, is it, how is it that some people are able to unlock their potential to achieve the most extraordinary results? And in doing so, they also seem to learn the ability of how to help other ordinary people realize their incredible potential. Now, back in April this year, I was at a speaking event with a number of exceptional speakers, world-class speakers talking. And I was introduced at that event to Kevin Gaskell. And I found his keynote to be absolutely fascinating, and therefore I had to invite him on this show. Now, Kevin's achievements transcend several worlds um, exceptional results in business, adventure, and sport. Uh, now, Kevin was appointed the managing director of Porsche GB at the age of 32, um, and his team rebuilt a business that was close to bankruptcy, and they created the UK's most profitable. Car company. He then moved to BMW again as the UK managing director and led the company to four years of record growth and a 500% increase in profitability. He was recognized as one of the top 40 leaders under 40 in the UK. And in 2000, he founded a dot-com, which quickly became the market leader for automotive e-commerce. And at the same time, he was CEO of a company called Eurotax Glasses. And his team integrated that with 30 businesses to create a world leader in electronic data before leading a 500 million euro sale of the company. He's now chairman to a number of companies, he's played international cricket, celebrated his 40th birthday climbing on Mount Everest, is only one of 100 people to walk to both the North and South Poles, and has climbed some of the world's highest mountains in aid of cancer research. Ordinary, no, but uh, he's certainly made from the same stuff as the rest of us, yes. I would recommend that you get a pen and paper at the ready, as I know there'll be some great ideas and content today, and a big welcome to Kevin Gaskell. Thanks, Chris. Great to be here. You're very welcome. Um, and whereabouts in the, the United Kingdom are you today? Uh, right now I'm sitting
2: in uh, a place just south of Newbury, a place called Etchinswell in Berkshire. So you're out in the sticks somewhere, are you? I'm out. I live on a farm, so I'm out looking at uh, a lot of rain and green fields at the moment. That's
1: fantastic. A bit like myself <laughs> <laughs> in Leicestershire. Um, so I'm, I'm interested. Uh, you've uh, achieved some you know, really extraordinary results in your life. And I'm kind of interested in your background. You know, you, you were able to lead the turnarounds of, I know it was actually not two, but three automotive brands. And you set up and have sold your very own successful businesses. I mean, is it genetics? Is it study? Or is it hard work? Well, I, I don't think it's genetics.
2: You know, my dad is a, is a hardworking engineer. My mum's a hardworking hairdresser. Um, so genetics well, the genetics are there in the hard work um, uh, I believe strongly that whatever your religion you know if 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 i if I am reincarnate reincarnated, reincarnated that 's great, but i actually don 't remember the last time around, and so I believe that i 'm here i 'm put on this earth, and I want to go out and achieve things while i 'm here so it's it 's about hard work, and that 's really been in everything i 've done I worked hard at school. Um, I was the first in my family to go to university, so I worked hard at university, Uh, always terrified of failing, always terrified of of letting people down. Um, And then I got a job and I worked hard there, and then I had some ideas about business and I worked hard there. So I I guess there's a theme of hard work running through there somewhere.
1: (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's interesting you say you're terrified of failing because uh, I know sometimes and quite a lot of people have this almost winning formula that they... Don't want to let other people down, um, but actually, that can get to a point where some people almost self-combust by trying too hard. Uh. Yeah, I, I, fortunately, I haven't fallen into that that situation.
2: Um, you know, I, I come from a very happy, very settled family. My parents are incredibly supportive; they've never pressed me. Um, but you know, you set your own standards, and I, I've just wanted. To do things well, and I've I've had the opportunity. People have given me opportunities uh, to go and make a difference. Uh, And my view is, if you're given that opportunity, then you better roll your sleeves up and get on with it.
1: Was Was there a catalyst? I mean, was there a a particular point in time when you suddenly developed this drive to do all these things?
2: No. Um, At school, I worked hard. Um, I didn't find school particularly easy, but I got some very good grades. Uh, I went to university, uh, I won a scholarship. Again, I just worked hard, um, but I enjoyed it. You know, it's not just about uh, hard work as in slogging. It's about finding things interesting. You know, I find the world interesting. I find studying engineering interesting. I find people interesting, and it's about wanting to know more about those things. It's about wanting to understand how things work and then make them that bit better.
1: I think that's a really important Point that you share there. Um, You know, that sounds almost like you know. I've got a six-year-old and a two-year-old, and they're full of childhood kind of curiosity. And I think I've kept some of that as well. And I want them to keep that. Um, Have you just sort of kept the childhood curiosity then?
2: Yes, I think you know it 's about sort of taking the cover off things or lifting the stone or or looking behind the machine or whatever it is, and just understanding how does this work why does this why does it work this way, and why do people always say it has to go this way and i 'm afraid i 'm a great one for challenging beliefs i 'm a great one for challenging um, preset ways of doing things you know um, I, I, I watch my kids as they, they, they learn, they go through life. I mean, my children are now in their early 20s, but they're both very bright and they both ask questions and still challenge things. And, and, you know, when I say, well, we do it this way because, they look at me with that eyebrow that says, because what? Why do we have to do it that way? And, you know, you look at them and think, well, they're right, aren't they? Because they're looking at the world through a different set of eyes. Technology's moved on a long way since I was their age. And, you know, things that they now take for granted Uh, we could never have dreamt about but isn't it exciting you know it's just great fun to see this stuff
1: do do you see you you know i explained your background and you've achieved some extraordinary things i mean how do you how do you kind of contextualize that do you see yourself as being an ordinary person who's just kind of learned some principles and got on i mean how do you perceive yourself and your achievements Oh, I'm completely ordinary. I mean, I, look, it doesn't
2: come much more ordinary than me. I, working class background. Um, I don't have any great um, athletic skills. I played cricket and enjoyed it, but I wasn't a natural athlete. Um, I'm not particularly bright. Um, I just you just work at things, you know. You just set yourself a goal and go for it, and and. It's not just about blind belief. You know, you don't just jump off a mountain and say, I'm going to fly, because you won't fly, but it is about setting a goal and going for it, but understanding what steps you need to put in place to make that go for it work, to make it actually become reality.
1: So, so actually, what we're talking here, you, you, you say you're not particularly bright, um, but actually what you've done is you have taken what sound like very good principles for success and kind of embodied them and done them.
2: You know, I've learned um, in my business career that there are certain things that you have to do in order to make a business successful. There are certain things that you just have to get right, and most of those are about communication. Most of those are about trust. Most of those are about sharing uh, your passion and your belief with the people in the company. All the businesses I've been involved in where we've done turnarounds or we've improved uh, performance have been done with the same team of people. We didn't, we didn't bring in the management all-stars. We didn't bring in a team of consultants. We worked with the same team of people, and we turned that team of people into an extraordinary uh, group who went out and achieved extraordinary results.
1: Fantastic. So that's been your your key kind of focus has been other people and helping them. Oh, absolutely. Them you. I mean,
2: absolutely. The key, uh, for me, the key to anything that I've been involved in, the key to achieving any of the um, successes, uh, as you describe, that I've been involved in, uh, has been being part of a team who've gone out to do that. So whether it's walking to the poles or climbing mountains or turning around businesses, you don't do that stuff on your own. I mean, yes, there are superhuman people who can do this stuff on their own, but that's not me. I'm just an ordinary guy who likes to work with a team of people. And if I have a skill, if I have a, a process or a, 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 an approach, it is about creating that vision. It is about creating that belief within the team that we can go out and really do this. And, and this is extraordinary. We're not talking about a 5% improvement here. Let's look at a 105% improvement because what that does is it resets people's uh, imagination. It makes people creative. You know, 5%, yeah, okay, well, we'll trim this and we'll nudge that and we'll nerdle the other. No, 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 stop. If we had to do a 105% improvement in the next two years, what would we do differently? What would we do that we're not doing now? Or what would we stop doing that we are doing now? Or how would we do it differently? And just give people the scope to be creative. Give them the opportunity to believe.
1: And, and therefore, is that would that be your key message to people who want greater success? That to do it through inspiring and increasing the, the belief of other people? Setting a vision uh, and actually getting them to, su- to surpass maybe uh, standard targets or measures?
2: I believe the only way you achieve something extraordinary is to be able to paint a picture for people of what that extraordinary thing looks like. What will it be like when you get there? Describe it, share it, understand it, uh, be passionate about it. What will it look like when my customers walk in when we've changed the business to be like this? How will we relate to them? How will it feel to be part of this team? What will it be like to be... Uh, a player in a team that's achieving extraordinary results, uh, well, then let's paint that picture. And if we paint that picture, people can get excited about achieving that. They can get animated about achieving that. People start to get really interested when when they truly believe that you want to make them successful. You want to give them the opportunity to be successful.
1: Fantastic. And I wonder, how would you define the role of today's leader?
2: Oh, <laughs> It's, it is about providing the opportunity for people to be creative. Firstly, it's about painting the vision. Then it's about providing the framework. Look, here's, here's where we're going. We're going to commit to this vision of success. And, and when we understand what that looks like, we can start to align ourselves. We can start to build a plan to achieve that. I've, I've broken my, my approach down into three steps. I call it uh, commit, connect, create. Commit to the vision. Connect means building the platform, building the bridge, building the ladder or the plan for people to see how they can get there and then create. Create the magic of working in extraordinary teams. Create leaders at every level in the organization. Fantastic.
1: We're going to go to a commercial break now, and after the break we shall continue with this fantastic, fascinating conversation. Thank you very much. The
0: future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper.
1: Hi, this is Chris Cooper of bemoreachievemore.com and cc1consulting.com. And I'm with Kevin Gaskell. We're talking about extraordinary results from ordinary people. And before the commercial break, Kevin, you mentioned uh, these principles of commit, connect, and create. I wonder if you could maybe um, tell us a bit more about what you mean by commit.
2: Commit is about getting people to make the decision to move the game on. You know, a lot of people will talk about making improvements to business. And typically what they mean is doing what we did before a little bit better. Well, what I try to say to people is, look, the the truth is the market's changed. The world's changed. uh, Customers have changed. Technology's changed. We need to move on a big step. And to move on a big step, we need to repaint our understanding of what that success could be. We need to rebuild our belief. We need to build a, a really definitive vision of success and describe that, what it looks like. How does it feel like? What will it be like? What will it mean that we will do differently? How will I play a part in that? And, and my approach is to involve as many people from the business as possible in that conversation. People have ideas. You know, people work in businesses, and when I join, they'll come and tell me what are the good bits and the bad bits. And it's about filtering from them their passion, their ideas. I don't believe anybody comes to work to do a bad job. People want to make a difference. So what I try to do is give them the opportunity to help me to paint that picture of success. And once we've painted that picture, we can all start to understand what it looks like and build the plan. So commit means commit to make the change and, and how, make a change.
1: And how long does that, that process take?
2: It can vary. Um, you know, it can be if you, if you walk into a business that's in difficulty. Um, I joined one recently, and it took us still took us six weeks because we needed to really understand. You know, you can make… Knee-jerk reactions, and, and often you, you can live to regret those. So it took us about six weeks to understand what this business could really be, how it could really function, how it could be really exciting. And that was part of talking to the team, walking around the business, inviting people to tell me what they thought, listening, talking to the customers, listening, a lot of listening.
1: And what would you say for anybody who's listening and saying, well, this is all you know, really great stuff, however, I'm a solo entrepreneur, it's just, it's just me. <laughs> yeah.
2: <clears throat> I think the, the issue is exactly the same. You know, I'm a solo entrepreneur. I, I work in five businesses, but I'm a solo entrepreneur. Um, I choose to invest my time and my resources in different companies or in different activities. Um, and, and actually, a couple of days ago, I spent the day sitting down, and I, I have it in my left hand here as we speak, uh, redrawing my vision. Actually sitting down asking myself, well, hang on a minute. I'm terribly busy, but let's just remember what it, what it was I set out to achieve here. And and I have this vision for myself of what my business empire or my life empire, if you like, will look like um, when it's successful because I have to take other people into consideration. I have a wife and kids. Uh, I have friends and family. Uh, and I want to be able to spend time with them. So it's not all about work. It's about how do I organize myself to achieve that, what for me looks like
1: success. And I'm just interested. I mean, do you do you use vision boards to help you create that? Do you stick pictures out of magazines? I mean, what do you do to <laughs> what do you do to create that vision? I usually sit down and put my feet on the desk, close my eyes, and just think. Yeah, you know, there's a great
2: quote by Henry Ford: uh, "Thinking is the hardest work there is, which is the probable reason why so few people engage in it." Which I think is just the most wonderful approach to the world. Yeah. You've got to think about stuff, otherwise, you know. I'm talking to you right now, and I've got three screens up in front of me, and I've got messages coming at me left and right. I've switched my mobile phone off while we speak. We've got information coming at us all day, every day. And if we just react to that information, then we're not building our business, are we? If you don't have a plan, then you're part of somebody else's. So I passionately believe that we have to build our own plan, decide where we're going, and then make it our business to get there. Take the team with you. Take him with you.
1: And, and I guess a solo entrepreneur, that involves still involves other people. It could be suppliers, couldn't it? It could be, it could be a, your family. It could be um, a, a number of different people who maybe have an interest in what you're doing. It's all sorts of people.
2: When you, if you sit down and draw a circle with yourself in the middle of it and just ask yourself, just draw a little arrow of who impacts you and who you impact on each, each side of that circle. And, you know, there are a lot of people who you have to care for, you have to give attention to. Uh, But at the same time, there are people who are depending upon you. So it it, it is about making sure that you can build that vision of success. You know, people describe me as a motivational speaker. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm a guy who talks about the real world, and the guy who talks about taking a business from 10 and turning it into 30. But I don't do that with magic. I just do that by understanding what this business could really be and how the team who are there could take it there and then giving them the opportunity to go out and achieve it. Fantastic.
1: So tell us a bit more then about, about Connect.
2: Well, Connect off. is <clears throat> once, once we've committed, we've made the decision to move. And, you know, you have to really make that decision. You don't do it half-heartedly. You make the decision because the team will see. If you're half-hearted about it, if you're not really sure, the team will see it. So you make the decision. We are going to change. You know, we're jumping out of this airplane and uh, – I've got a parachute on, but I'm, I'm actually going to step out of this plane. And I absolutely believe the, pl- the parachute will work because I've used it before. And The smarter people than me have used these, they know how they work. But I have to now build the plan. Connect is the plan. How do I connect the future, which is the vision, with where I am today? And that's about building a simple, straightforward plan of action. You know, people, people write business plans. People bring me 80 and 100-page business plans. I can tell you I don't read them. I really don't read them. Put it on one page. And, and I, I use a model I call the box model, which is just a terribly simple cascade of this is where we're going. The pieces that will get us there are an operations plan, a technology plan, a people plan, a financial plan, a marketing plan, whatever it is, five or six boxes. And each one of those will have a series of actions that we are going to take in order to achieve that vision. If I can build that model and put it on one piece of paper, I can share it with everybody. I can put it on the wall next to the coffee machine. I put it next to the secretary's desk. I put it in the reception. I put it all over the business where people can see what we're setting out to achieve. And then the team in the business can talk about it. They can sit and see where they play a part in making that happen. And I call it having a line of sight. They have a line of sight of how they can maximize their contribution to that business. Oh, I see. If I improve this, then that impacts that, which impacts that, and that helps us to get to the vision. So it's about making it really, really easy for people to see how they play a part in changing the business. And you make it visible. And then you encourage it to be the thing we talk about. And there's no secrets. You know, There's no point grumbling about it because, well, we don't know what management are up to. Well, you know what management are up to. It's there, stuck on the wall. Go look at it. And you can write on it and you can question it. And you can talk to your manager, come talk to me, talk to anybody you like about it because I want you to be part of helping us to change this business or build this team or achieve, uh, achieve a number one or whatever it is, you know. But there's, there's the vision, guys. And if you've got a better uh, idea than the one that's written on that wall, we'll, we'll change it. We will take your idea and we will change it because I want everybody in the company to play a part.
1: Fantastic. So you've now, you've now developed this plan into something that simple, and you've connected with the people around you so they all feel like they've had involvement and can play a part. So the next stage then is about create, you say. So what is create? Create is about, I call it creating magic.
2: So I believe that everybody has a piece of genius in them. Everybody. People know how to do their job better than I know how to do their job. They're experts. If I can understand that everybody has 5% genius in them, then for every 20 people I have in the business, I have a whole genius. My job is to get people to relate in a way that those 5% of genius all come together so that they align, so that we use those each person's 5% to go in the same direction, and that way we, we change the business. And I'm, what I'm looking for are leaders in the organization. I try to create leaders at every level. I I believe strongly that my job as a leader is to give power away. I give power away. The more I can give away, the stronger I become because there are people in the organization who know how to do it, whatever it is, better than me. So if I can give them the power to change the organization, then they'll go ahead and change it. Now, we draw the boundaries. The boundaries are that's the vision. That's where we're going. If it doesn't take us in that direction, then let's not do it. But if it takes us in that direction, I want you to be able to do it. And the creativity then is in the team. The creativity is there for people to use. You know, every business I work in, I work in some small businesses. The smallest business I work in now is probably half a million dollars turnover to the biggest business, which is billions. I, I hear the same thing time and again as excuses oh the competition are outspending us or we don't have enough money for that and I say well hang on a minute we've got a one page plan under that we have a budget we have to have a budget and of course course, behind this one page plan we have sophisticated project plans it's not just hope we do have clear plans about how we're going to do each of these things but the vision is is explained on one piece of paper the budget sets the priorities too many companies try to do too many things If you can reduce it down a smaller number of things and do them well, you will achieve much more as a company than trying to do an awful lot of things and never quite finishing them. So I have a clear belief that we prioritize. And if we can finish all those activities we set ourselves for this year, if we finish them in nine months, then well, fantastic. I've got another three months, I can do more things. I don't just stop. We don't just stop in September. I've got three months, I'll do more things. But I'd rather get my things done that we said we'd do this year and make the changes we said we'd make then let things drag on and run on and carry on. And the other thing that we do with this plan is we maintain the momentum. So I don't have a three-year plan. I don't have three-year plans. I have a 1,000-day plan. The difference between three years and a 1,000 days is 1,000 days very quickly becomes 900, very quickly becomes eight fifty, very quickly becomes 800 days, and we put it on the wall in the office. So in the office... We have a big number. And every day, we count that down by one day. And people see that, wow, time really does tick by. Because if I say to say, oh, it's a three-year plan. Well, mentally, people park that. Three years, okay, right, I'll come back to that at some point in, in a year or so. No, 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 no. It's a 1,000 days and 115 of those have already gone. It resets people's mindset about what we have to achieve today. So we maintain the momentum. We keep the speed up. We don't spend a long time talking about it. We make a decision and we go for it. And if we make a mistake, well, that's fine. That's okay. Don't shoot people for making mistakes. You know, we sit down and we learn from it. We talk about it as a team because it didn't get us towards the vision and we expected it to. It took us in a different direction. Well, okay. Then let's understand why it did that. And then let's make sure that everybody knows we made that mistake. It's great we made a mistake. It's great it went wrong because, wow, we've learned from that. Let's make sure nobody else has to make that mistake again. But we create leaders. We give people the opportunity at every level in the organization to really change this stuff.
1: Fantastic. We've got only about a minute left until we go into commercial break, but I'm just interested in terms of giving that power away. You know, I wonder this week we've obviously had, big changes in the UK in in one of the big banks. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder, do you, th- do you think some of that has been as a consequence of giving power away or do you think you know, the challenges were from the top?
2: Well, I, I think you start with the vision. You know, if, if you've got uh, inappropriate culture in a business, well, that comes from uh, inappropriate vision. Yes. Yes, so it starts with the culture. And that's the responsibility
1: of the leader. Yes. Good good stuff. I, I found myself on a BBC radio show this week um, being asked, should he resign? <laughs> I'm being challenged quite hard on that point. And I think you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. It starts with the, the culture. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So um, – after the commercial break, we're going to find out lots more about uh, taking our businesses to another level. And we will we'll start to get into some really interesting stuff ar- as well around learnings from polar expeditions and things. So do join us after the break.
0: Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper.
1: Hi, this is Chris Cooper again um, of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com. I'm with Kevin Gaskell, and we're talking about extraordinary results from ordinary people. Uh, Kevin, I, I'm really interested to understand from you how you motivate people from your perspective to really give their best.
2: Let, let, me, let me respond to that, Chris, by saying that first thing is I don't think you can motivate people. I think you inspire people. I think people motivate themselves. I think it's an internal thing. My job is to create the atmosphere where people are inspired. My job is to to create this vision of success that I talked about and commit to achieving it so that people feel they're invited on an exciting journey. This is not just same old, same old, day in, day out. This is about we're going to go on a journey here. We're going to do something that's truly extraordinary. We're going to create something the market hasn't seen before. And we're going to go and we're going to do it together in the next thousand days. And, you know, that inspires people in my experience. People want to do a good job. I've never met anybody who came into work wanting to do a bad job. They want to do a good job. The challenge for us as leaders is how do we create that atmosphere, create that, that, that situation where people feel that they can give of their best. Because people's best work is given, not taken. If you demand work of people, if you put them under pressure, then you don't get people's best work. People give you their best work when they're having fun. When when we are doing this uh, create of magic, when we are doing this thing where people are not afraid to have a go, are actually encouraged to have a go. So so to answer your question, the way we do it is we paint the vision. The next thing we do is we have the clear plan, which is visible for everybody to look at and read. People can see line of sight they can see where they play a part the third piece is about building creativity into the way we run a business you know most companies and I go and have a look at them the the staff are overworked and underutilized so they're overworked as in there's far too much to do too many emails too much in the in tray uh, not enough hours in the day I'm overworked but I'm underutilized you know what I got some great ideas and, and outside work, I do this and this and this. And I run the local opera society. And I'm, one of my cleaners one day told me she was British course fishing champion. Wow! People are extraordinary. So my job as the leader is to give them space to make that extraordinary contribution. So we would run our meetings in a way that allows for a space for creativity. And people say to me, well, this is all very woolly. You're not talking about numbers here, are you? Uh, well, hang on a minute. I have numbers. I have a business plan. I have a financial plan. Don't ever lose sight of that. But chasing the numbers does not make the business great. If I can make the business great, the numbers will follow. So my view is, make the business great in a sustainable way, in a long-term way, and those numbers will come. And, and you know, you can see, you, you quoted them at the beginning. I've been involved in businesses where we've achieved extraordinary financial performance but only because we reset people's expectation of the opportunity we were giving them to contribute. It wasn't about picking up a big stick and chasing people hard around the office. It's not about that at all. It's about saying, here's where we think we can go. What do you think? Oh, well, we could do that if. Well, let's do the if then. So for me, it's about creating the atmosphere. It's creating the clarity of vision. It's treating people with respect. You know? Everybody knows how to do their job better than you do. I said that once already. They're experts. If I can encourage them to be involved in the debate about how we change the company, they will give me their expertise. I have to treat them with respect. And I have a firm belief, nobody's ever proved me wrong, that everybody, everybody is somebody's mother, father, sister, brother, son, or daughter. That's the truth of it. We're all one of those things. Well, you would treat your mom or your dad or your son or your daughter or your brother or your sister with respect. Well, treat your staff with respect. Treat your staff with respect. People can vote with their feet. They can walk away. Show respect. Be consistent. Be coherent. Let people understand that you are in the team with them. And if there's a job needs doing and you're the only person around who can do it, then roll your sleeves up and get on with it. Don't ever, as a leader, be afraid to pick up a shovel
1: and help to dig the hole. You're part of the team. It sounds a very kind of embracing, non-confrontational way to lead people. I mean, h- how much pressure do you apply to people, or, or don't you? Do you let them just apply the pressure to themselves Well, to get the things I, done they need to?
2: I apply pressure to be consistent to the vision. That's where I get annoyed. When, when we've agreed where we're going and people start to drift off left and right, I will pull them back online very quickly. And I get passionate. I do get passionate about this stuff. You know, I will bang the table like everybody else, and I will get passionate. But I, I try to criticize the process, not the person. You know, this is what we agreed. So why are we going that way? That is just, if it's just, if it's going to help us to get to the vision quicker, fine, let's talk about it. But if it's not, if we've just lost sight of the vision, let's just remind ourselves. Let's pull it off the wall. Let's sit down and read back to ourselves what we agreed we were going to do. And then let's focus back on that. So, yes, I'm pretty tough on holding to the vision. But within that, within that boundary, you can be as creative as you like. But please, don't, uh, don't diffuse, don't, don't limit, don't uh, dilute the clarity of the vision. Because that's when people get confused. So
1: Fantastic. I, I wonder if anyone who may be listening at the moment and uh, uh, thinking – you know, wondering have they got you know, how much potential have they got on themselves, I just wondered there 's a story that you shared when I saw you speak about a chauffeur that worked for <laughs> yes. BMW and I, and I absolutely yes. love the story and it 's so poignant right now. I wonder if you could maybe just quickly share that story with us well you know that 's an example where
2: having, having shared the vision, having understood what really underpins that vision, you can allow other people to take responsibility for it and the situation you refer to. I was sitting in the car one day with my chauffeur. I had a full-time chauffeur when I was at BMW, and um, I was looking frustrated. He asked me what the problem was, um, and I said, look, we, we're, we're about to launch some new cars. We want to relaunch ourselves as a management team. We want to relaunch our, our business plan to our 400 most important VIP customers and dealers, and I have a problem because I've got to get people from the head office where we're meeting across to the theater where we're doing the launch Um and I've looked at all the bus companies, and it's not very good. And being in the UK, it's bound to rain. Uh, it's only about two kilometers, but uh, you know, a mile and a half is quite a long way when it's raining. So we, um, I was driving along, and John said, John's the chauffeur. John said, well, leave it to me. Now, I'm about to entrust my 400 VIP customers to my chauffeur. And he looked at me and he said, Kev, leave it to me. So I said, okay, John, you know what the vision is. I'll leave it to you. And about a week later, he invited me down from my office in the in the gods and he invited me outside and there were 400 of my staff standing in the reception uh, there were uh, six security men on six doors each one fully kitted out in in matching black suits with the mi5 curly earpiece um, and we had 400 branded umbrellas and he said you ready i said i'm ready john and he said go six bmw stretch sevens pulled up outside the door Four people ushered by the um, by the, the the security men into each of the cars, and away they went. then the next group of cars pulled up, and the next and the next and John had organized twenty four matching stretch seven series to this day i don 't know where he got them from we didn 't have them we were the import we didn 't have them those cars were were used to ferry people around to the event in absolute luxury and style and uh, you know that was only the chauffeur, only the chauffeur, and there 's no such thing in my businesses. As an onlyer. He's only a chauffeur, she's only a uh, salesman, um, he's only a, a receptionist. No such thing as an onlyer. Everybody has a job to play.
1: Fantastic. And he's, he's now got a job organising Olympics or torches <laughs> or something, <laughs> yes, hasn't he? I, yes. Uh, I
2: spoke to him a couple of weeks ago and uh, he was all rather busy. Um, I said, What are you doing? He said, I am managing the logistics for the uh, UK Olympic torch relay. He's only a chauffeur. He's <laughs> managing eight thousand people carrying that torch all around the UK over seventy days. Extraordinary! How fantastic, is that?
1: Um, I just wondered um, if you could maybe share with us. You, you just had some a unique approach, I think it was, to customers. You saw a different way of approaching customers while he were at uh, BMW, I believe. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, we, you know, it's it's about understanding the world
2: from the customer's perspective. Um, uh, Again, a particular case that I related was uh, we found that customers were getting frustrated. If their car broke down on the side of the road, they would call BMW. We would try and drag a technician out of a local dealership to go and deal with them on the side of the road. And we recognized that just wasn't working. The, the issue wasn't that the car had broken down typically. It was, I need to catch a flight. I need to pick the children from school. I've got to get to a business meeting, whatever it was. Um, and so we, we looked at it the other way around and said, how do we change this? so that we understand the world from the customer's perspective. and we put onto the road uh, 50 service mobiles, we went out and recruited 50 agents, uh, but we recruited them for their customer handling skills. We can teach them to change a wheel. We can teach them to do small things on the car. Frankly, these days, cars are so sophisticated. If something breaks, which is a fundamental on the side of the road, you're not going to repair it anyway on the side of the road. So the trick is deal with the customer. And uh, we created the service mobile. We put people into them. Uh, who we trained up as customer service agents and we spent time making sure that when somebody broke down, we dealt with them as individuals and we got them onto their next appointment or we dealt with their problem while backstage we dealt with their car. And again, that was the idea of somebody in the organization. It wasn't my idea. It was the idea of the team and it transformed the customer's experience.
1: Fabulous. So listen to your people. Absolutely. Uh, And also... Uh, never underestimate the skills, the potential that lies within your people, I guess. Oh,
2: that. people are amazing. People are astonishing. If you give them the opportunity, then they will
1: astonish you every time. Fabulous. Well, we're going to talk about, um, after the break, we're going to talk about your polo expeditions, which will be um, absolutely fascinating, I, I think. So um, we'll be back again in about uh, a couple of minutes after the commercial break. Uh, do stay around and do hear about Um, the adventures and the learning um, of walking to both North and South Poles. So thank you very much.
0: Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. If you're a golf enthusiast and looking for some great golf properties in the desert southwest, you'll want to make the Golf Realty Network your weekly stop. Hosted by Jane and Al Anderson, the Golf Realty Network is all about living where you play, on the golf side. You'll hear from the course pros and vendors, while the real estate side will bring you the top agents and brokers who know how to market or find your golf community home. Tune in to the Golf Realty Network, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety, and rebroadcast weekly on Voice America Sports. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to
1: Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of com and cc1consulting.com, and I'm delighted to be back with Kevin Gaskell. We're talking about extraordinary results from ordinary people. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to you about your polar adventures. Um, you know, you've achieved all these great things in business. Why put yourself at risk by walking to both poles, for example, when only 100 people have ever done it before? Well, that's <laughs> you know, it's funny. You know, you paint the vision of
2: success, and... And often people think that the vision is something else. Uh, The vision of success for the polar expeditions was building a cancer hospital. And the reason that was important to me was my little sister died of cancer. And after Jane had passed away, I asked the consultant, would anything have made a difference? She died. She was 44. And uh, I said, look, would anything have made a difference? And the consultant said to me, well we could have done with a monoclonal antibody unit. And I said, oh, that's fantastic. What's that? Um, Why haven't you got one? Uh, The response was it's a particular uh, methodology of treating uh, people suffering from particular forms of cancer, um, and we don't have one because we haven't got the money for one. And I said, well, how much would that cost? Ooh, very expensive. I said, well, give me a clue. Um, And uh, the message came back. It was probably about half a million dollars. So I scratched my head and thought, okay, how do we do this? How do we raise half a million dollars? Because um, I don't want to see any other family go through the pain and suffering that my parents and, and, and me and my sister uh, felt watching Janie die. And, of course, Janie left behind a young daughter and a husband. So it was the, the vision was about creating something that was actually nothing to do with the polls. And, and you know, when you're walking along dragging uh, a 150-pound sledge at minus 50 – you do have to slap yourself and remind you you're there to build a cancer hospital. So the vision was, was actually quite different than people anticipated. So that's why we did it. Um, how did it come about to be the polls? Well, I have a very good friend who is uh, who's an explorer, and he said to me, Kev, I'm, I'm putting together an expedition uh, to the North Pole. I'm trying to pull some guys together who could uh, help me. Do you think you could get involved? And I got involved and said, you know, Alan, I'd like to come with you. And... Uh, he said, "Okay," <laughs> and I said, "Yeah," and I am going to use it uh, to raise money. I am going to get sponsorship. Use it to raise money for this hospital. And uh, he said, "Great, let's go." So we built the team, um, uh, and say so we he built the team, and it was very much his expedition. Um, some fabulous people, some great team members, um, and off we went. And uh, we walked to the North Pole. Um, it was a huge adventure. Um, I was absolutely brutal in chasing friends, colleagues, businessmen, anybody I knew to put their hand in their pocket, to pull out their checkbook and uh, help with this, with this cause. And, and we went to the North Pole. And um, you learn a lot about yourself when you, you go to these places, you know. And I, I, I give talks now where I, I relate lessons of, of the North Pole to business. And, uh, you know, one particular piece was um, know your competition. Well, you know the competition is going to be the cold. Uh, North Pole actually wasn't so cold when we were there. It was about it was probably between minus 25 and minus 30 C. So it's not particularly cold, um, but it's very lumpy. You're, you're dragging a very heavy sledge. It's very lumpy. Um, you, you know the other competition are the polar bears. You expect them. But the bit we didn't expect uh, were the orcas, the killer whales, which come through the ice um, <laughs> looking for food, and that, that was one one competitor who we, we hadn't banked on. So it was all very interesting, very, very interesting. You learn a lot about yourself um, you know, when, you, when you're out there and uh, uh, the world isn't always going in your way. I mean, we woke up one morning having walked a number of days, walking 14 hours a day, dragging these sledges, um, and we put our Garmin, we put our GPS system outside the tent and took a, took a reading to find that the North Pole, of course, is just frozen sea. You're just walking on frozen ocean, and it moves, moves with the wind, moves with the tides. And um, we've been walking for a number of days, 14 hours a day, and when we took the bearing in the morning, we found out we were further away from the pole than when we'd started. And, you know, that does start to challenge your your ability to just grit your teeth and get on with it because there's nowhere to go. There's no way to get off. Uh, Once you're there, you're there, so you better make it work.
1: And how long does it take you to get there? What's the length of the journey?
2: Uh, The North Pole was about. We were up there about five weeks. Um, We we picked a spot to walk in from. Uh, You can go uh, if you go right from the edge. You know, you go right from Canada. It can take you um, kind of seventy days plus seventy to eighty days. We just didn't have the time to do that. You know, Um, I just didn't have the time to take out of my schedule to go and spend three months wandering across the polar ice cap. But it's great fun. Learned a lot. Learned a lot about the team. And then, of course, um, if you walk to the North Pole, well, you might as well walk to the South Pole, mightn't you? Um, <laughs> so we, we raised sort of half of the money that we wanted and um, came home and over dinner one night said to my wife, you know, we went to the North Pole and she looked up at me and you know, we'd been <laughs> married 30 years and she said, and now you're going to the South Pole. I said, how do you know? She said, look, I just know you. And my son, who was about 16 at that point, piped up well, you're not going without me this time. Um, so my wife <laughs> said, <laughs> my "Wife, said, oh, fantastic!" So you're not only going to kill yourself; you're going to kill my son as well. I said, "No, we're not. We're not going to die. Don't worry." So we put together the um, the South Pole expedition, um, and that's a different kind of challenge because the South Pole is uh, is a continent. You are walking on top of uh, a number of kilometres uh, depth of ice, uh, and it's just a grind. It's just grind. You, you can look in 360 degrees around yourself and all you see is basically flat ice and you just keep walking, just keep walking. But again, you learn, learn things about leadership. You know, the, the challenge at the South Pole is uh, navigation. There's nothing to take a fix on. It's so flat and, and it's very cold down there. Our coldest day down there was um, about minus 45 before wind. So it was sort of minus 60 with a bit of wind chill. Um, and you can't even hold a compass very long at that kind of temperature. Of course, with gloves on, but still your, your fingers freeze. Um, so it's very difficult to, to actually navigate. Um, so the way we would do it is we'd walk in a single file, and the guy at the front would take a take a fix, and then we'd try and walk maybe 20, 30 minutes without deviating uh, left or right, and it's completely flat. So you, you're just looking ahead, um, but the leader would hang off the back so you'd have five guys uh, walking close behind each other in single file and then the leader may be 50 or 75 yards off the back and it's the guy at the back who's watching to see if the team deflect left or right so actually the guy at the back is leading and i think it's an interesting lesson in business that sometimes as leaders our job is to hang back let the team run let the team go and if they do get offline, then a gentle nudge back, a gentle nudge left or right. But let the team run. You don't have to be number one. You don't have to be up front. You don't have to be out there being the leader who knocks down all the walls in front. You, you let the team go. And um, South Pole was, was a, a big lesson because it was very challenging. It was very tough physically. and uh, But we, we got there. Um, we raised the money. We built the hospital. And we opened it uh, – Now, 12 months or more ago, and it's now delivering thousands of treatments a year. So, you know, that was the vision.
1: Many congratulations. And what was it like doing that with your son?
2: Oh, it was fabulous. You know, he's he's a pretty independent guy. Uh, He was 18 by the time we got on the ice. Um, And he said to me, Kev, he calls me Kev. He said, Kev, just to let you know, we're going down there as equals. I'm not going down there as your son. You're not going there as my father. We are members of a team together. And I expect us to work that way. And I said, Matt, that's absolutely right. Uh, you know, we can't do anything other than operate as as individual members of a team. And let's get on with it. And um, he did very well. He had one day where he um, where he had a big wobble because uh, he wasn't eating properly, didn't like the food. But once we um, reorganized the food stuff, so he could eat more of the stuff he wanted, mm-hmm. um, he's absolutely fine. And by the time we got to the South Pole, he was
1: probably the fittest of all of us. Well, did you do it? how did you cope with the, you know, did you experience it um, certainly on the, the ventures I've had and they haven't been as extreme as what you've done but I found that sometimes you, you find little niggles that start to, to build when you're spending a lot of time with, with people in you know, yes, the same I mean, team sometimes yeah we have a process
2: um, there were seven people in the uh, South Pole team and we had three tents so we'd have a two, a two and a three and every night, we would mix up a team. You'd never sleep with the same one or two people any evening. Because what you can't allow to happen is those niggles to develop, you know, that you, you form teams within teams because uh, they become, ultimately, they become destructive. And even though we all knew each other pretty well, most of the guys had been part of the North Pole team. Um, and we trained together, we prepared together, and, and, you know, we got on really well before you go on the ice. Once you get into a situation where it is minus 50 And it is very, very hard work and people are really not feeling well and very uncomfortable. Then, yes, those niggles can start. But we would work at it. So we'd break the teams up. Always a different um, sleeping crew at night. Uh, Everybody shared the jobs. Uh, The jobs got mixed up. Never any – everybody mucks in. Everybody's part of that team. And you watch out for it. And if if there were any issues, then um, uh, the leader, who was a guy called Alan Chambers – Alan would – would, would address them straight away. Never anything allowed to fester. If you're upset about something, say it. Say it, we'll deal with it. We don't allow anything to fester because you've got to go onto that ice in the morning knowing you're going to walk for 12 or 14 hours. You've got to go out there with a positive mind frame or else it's going to be just painful.
1: That's a good lesson in business, isn't it? Not allow, not allow things to fester.
2: Never let it fester. Deal with problems early. Commit to that success. Make sure the plan's in place. Lead with care with hum- humility, uh, with support. Be an amplifier of people's
1: skills and then let the team do it. Fantastic. I just want to ask you, we're just about, we've got about a minute left, um, what are the key messages that you'd like to leave people with or what was that them? <laughs> well, I would
2: leave people with uh, the three words, commit, connect, create. So commit, make the positive decision to drive towards that vision of success. Connect, create the framework, create the opportunity for people to walk with you so they understand they have a ladder to step across the gap they have places where they know we will go to make a difference and they create just
1: create magic have fun you know work long hours have fun that's a wonderful way to enter thank you so much for being on the show Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you amazing stories congratulations on building that hospital and raising all that money thank you very much thank you I hope you enjoyed it. Um, To find out more about Kevin uh, Gaskell, go to uh, www.kevingaskell.com. That's... uh g-a-s-k-e-l-l dot com. Um, if you have any questions or feedback um, around the show, please do send it to chris at com or leave it on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash more. Feel free to email me. Um, always love to hear your feedback. If you want to find out more about the show, I get lots of good feedback around my newsletter where I um, let people know about some of the key kind of things that we've learned during the show and, and all of the great guests that are coming up. Thanks again to Kevin um, Gaskell. It's been a tremendous pleasure having you on the show and I shall speak to you all again next week we
0: thank you for listening to Be More Achieve More please join your host Chris Cooper again next Friday at 8am US Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel enjoy your week thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel